This is a podcast for the moments in life you say to yourself, now what? We will uncover hard topics such as fertility, infertility, the challenges it can bring to women in marriages, miscarriages, abortion, womanhood, identity, motherhood, and more. Wherever you're listening, we're so glad you're here. Now here's Kristen Comstock. Hey guys, welcome. This is Kristen Comstock with the Now What Podcast, and I am here. We are here to talk about some of the hard topics that we come across in life and as women. So we talk about things like adoption, abortion, miscarriages, all of the hard topics that are not often talked about. And so I am here with my dear friend and my sister in (laughs) Christ. (laughs) We're actually sister by we have the same spiritual mama. So um, I'm here with Amanda Joplin. And um, you are a wife. And how long have you and your husband been married? We just celebrated our 10th anniversary. Okay, that's a big one. Yes, yes. And you have two boys. We do. And how old are they? And they their names? Are, uh, Matson is eight and Wesson is four. Okay. And so tell me just a little bit more. So you you are adopted. I am. And you are an adopted. Adoptive mama? mom. Yes. Okay. <laughs> an adoptee and an adoptive mama. Okay, good. And um, you're also a heart failure survivor. I am. So, and we'll get into that a little bit more as you share a little bit more about your uh, story. Mm-hmm. And you're really just a great friend, oh, I will thank say. You. <laughs> and fun to be around. Well, so, you. and you're busy with your boys because they're in their younger years. So, they're not right. obviously both in school yet. Right. Um. So before we get started, I just have because we've known each other and I have to tell just a funny story about <laughs> Matson because her boys definitely have their own little personalities. And yes. before we knew each other really well, um, one of the ways that we kind of began to interact with each other, one was through church, but also um, I was helping you guys sell one of your homes that you had. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time like I had come over to your home and I was just looking around and, you know, I was just looking and making sure everything looked good. And let's see what you guys may need to do or may not need to do. And I just happened to open a cabinet and there was a kid <laughs> in the cabinet. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting to see a kid there. And then looking around to see what else was with that child. He had like binoculars and fake money and real money and a camera and like a walkie talkie. And I'm like, Amanda, (laughs) what kind of operation are you letting your boys run? (laughs) So um, they're just, they're really fun. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with you because, um, because I just think it's, it's so needed. And um, we, we don't always hear everyone's full story, right? right. We, mm-hmm. a lot of times we hear the redemption in your story. We right. hear the end piece, the piece that everyone is so excited to hear about, mm-hmm. but also no one usually, unless it's your close friends and family, right. they don't hear all of the work and the battling right. spiritually and physically and mentally and emotionally that we go through to get on the other side of our whatever our trial that we're going mm-hmm. through in life. And so for you, what we're going to talk about today is specifically is going to be adoption. Mm-hmm. And so before we get into that conversation, I'm just going to give some um, statistics about adoption. And um, one is about 135,000 children are adopted in the United States each year. Mm-hmm. 
So does that sound like a low number to you? Because it seems a little low to me just based on how many kids are like in foster care and stuff like that. Right. Well, you think of how many kids are born each day. So comparatively, it feels low. Yeah. 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 And then um, so there are no national statistics out there really for how many people are waiting to adopt. But they estimate that in between one and two million couples are waiting to adopt children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I find that interesting. And then um, another one that I find interesting is that um, no more than 2% of Americans have actually adopted, mm-hmm. um, which also seems kind of low to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also six in 10 Americans have had personal experience with adoption, meaning they themselves, a family member, or a close friend was adopted or had a child um, that, through adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found that interesting as well. So just some just some fun statistics yeah. to kind of know a little bit more about the topic if you don't know about it. Right. So um, before I ask you a ton of questions, um, can you tell me just a little bit about your now what moment in related to your adoption story? Um, yeah, so we had um, what we're going to go into more detail on. We had a failed adoption. And um, for us, we had prayed and um, we really felt like we were called to adoption and that was what we were supposed to do. And we had been obedient and followed Christ's lead on that. And then this came this now what moment of we were kind of left holding the bag of disappointment and heartache and not understanding why. Right. Um, but the Lord, he had so much more for us. And we didn't realize that at the time, at the time, right? right? We didn't know if the, the failed adoption meant that that season or that specific calling was no right. or closed or if it was wait. Right. So on that, why was adopting so important to you and Matt? Because, um, I, I mean, I know you were adopted, so right. that has a special place in your heart. But, yeah. but what was the reason why you guys even wanted to pursue that route. So, um, like you said, I am adopted and adoption has always just been part of my life. You know, I've never, I can't remember not knowing, um, our parents shared that very young. I have a twin brother who was also adopted. Um, so we were adopted Which together. Is so cool. Yes. So we were adopted <laughs> together. And so it was always such a precious part of our life. And I had such a positive adoption story that I, I knew from a very young age that I also wanted to adopt. And so when I first started dating my husband, Matt, um, he did not come from a family of adoption, didn't have friends who had adopted, you know, didn't really know a whole lot about it. Right. Um, But I told him and he reminded me today that I told him on our first date (laughs) that adoption was something that was important to me. So you made that very clear up front, like whether we have children naturally or not, I for sure this is important. I want to adopt a child. Yes. And I didn't want to pursue a relationship with somebody whose heart wasn't also for adoption because it was so important to me. It needed to be important to them as well. Right. So, and then did, because you were adopted, did your parents keep that a secret from you? Were they open with it? They were very open. Like I said, I can't remember the exact age that they told us, but it was very young because I just always remember knowing that I was adopted. Right. So going into um, 
your marriage. You knew that you were going to adopt at some point. Obviously, you didn't necessarily have like a clear plan right. that year or whatever. We're right. going to start the process or yeah. right when we're married, we're going to start the process. So right. you have your oldest, Matson, mm-hmm. naturally. You get right. pregnant naturally. You have right. Matson. Um, tell me a little bit more about that experience, which ultimately led you guys to adoption. Well, we had decided early on that we knew we wanted to adopt, but we also knew we wanted to have biological children as well. And we didn't have the order planned out. Um, We had really just trusted that the Lord would allow the order to work out the way that it was supposed to. So we had decided if we adopt first, if that works out, that's what we'll do. If we get pregnant biologically first, we'll do that. So we did, we got pregnant with Matson pretty quickly after we got married and um, pregnancy was great. No complications or issues until um, I had him. And shortly after delivery, I went into heart failure and um, namely postpartum cardiomyopathy. So basically my chest filled with fluid and my heart was struggling to continue to beat and do what it was supposed to do because I was basically drowning from the right. inside out. So I Which had is to, scary. It was, it was I mean, how, very when scary. you say after, like, are we talking hours? Are we A talking days? A couple of days. days. I started okay. not feeling well um, shortly after I had him, but I just assumed those were just normal things that right. you experience after having a baby um, because I had no issues or complications prior to that. And so it continued to get worse and worse. And they released me and I went home and all of a sudden it hit. Right. Um, I woke up and I couldn't breathe. I heard like a gurgling in my chest and I knew I was in trouble. So we, um, my family called 911 and that's when I was admitted to the hospital and found out that I was in heart failure. Okay. So yeah, scary. So Obviously, in the moment, that's really scary. Right. Um, but staying on topic with uh, obviously having children and everything, mm-hmm. you know, you went through what you needed to go through to right. kind of understand what was going on with your body and obviously take care of your body the way it needed to be taken care of so that you survived. Right. Um, but how did the initial response to the heart failure, and I'm assuming doctors told you like, hey, you're, you right. shouldn't have any more children right. biologically. So how did that initial news hit you as far as wanting to have kids and wanting to have more kids? Well, I was told immediately when I was in the hospital that if I were to ever get pregnant again, it would take my life. And mm-hmm. so the initial shock of that <laughs> was a lot. It was overwhelming. And um, it took some time to process that, you know, that was that door had been closed for us. Biologic, you know, that had been. That was was just a door that was shut. That was a door that was shut. But in the same breath of that, we also knew we were called to adoption. And so um, that kind of concreted God's plan for us. We knew, okay, next we're supposed to adopt. And adoption was never a plan B for us. Right. It was always part of our plan that um, we would, the Lord willing, be able to adopt a child or more. And so at that moment, processing both sides like we knew okay this is heartbreaking that we can't have any more biological children but this is obviously the lord's will right so should. this was quite literally for you like god shut one door and he literally <laughs> yes he literally shut the door right so okay so you have your firstborn yes Matson. uh-huh um and now we kind of you move into i say we like i'm there i was, <laughs> I was there with you right um you move mm-hmm. into, okay, we knew that this was part of our plan to adopt. So you right. kind of, um, you and Matt move into this mode of 
beginning to actually explore right. the adoption process. Right. So let's talk about the first adoption. Um, and I really want to be a little intrusive just That's because okay. I think it's common questions out there, you know. Right. Um, I think, and this is just my personal opinion, there's no like science to back this up or anything, but I could imagine one of the reasons why there's not more adoptions is that it's kind of this topic that you're like, I think it's expensive. I don't really know. Right. And like, I also don't know very much about it. Mm -hmm. And the process is complicated. Right. And so I think it's just not necessarily explored. Right. Um, as much as maybe it should be. Um, so just to be a little intrusive, sure. how much does an adoption cost? I mean, obviously costs change. We, we see that all the time. Right. But what does it tend to cost? Like for a private Domestic adoption in the U.S. costs anywhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars, and you have to put a lot of that up front, right? right. So Most tastes... agencies will require um, a good chunk of that up front in order to start the process, which could be very difficult for many families, <laughs> for most that, families. especially a family that maybe they can't have children that they want to start a family, right. but they don't have the capital. They don't literally have the capital, right? Um, to do that, which they can, of course, explore other options. But right. um, just to kind of be a little intrusive. That's OK. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those questions everybody wants to know. Yeah, they want to know. And no exactly. one, and most people won't ask like on the spot. So. Right. <laughs> um, OK, so let's explore this first adoption. Mm -hmm. So we're talking around 2016. Yes. OK, so walk me through that. Like you uh, got selected by a birth mom. Kind of tell me a little bit about what time frame that looked like and sure. just walk me through the steps on that. So when Matson was two, we felt like that was the right time to go ahead and start the adoption process. So we had some friends who um, were in the adoption business as far as um, he was a lawyer and an agency and whatnot. So we, we knew that that's who we wanted to go through for our adoption. They had adopted children as well. And so they understood the process right. from all sides as well. And Personally, that was important professionally, to us. Personally, legally. Right, that it wasn't just somebody doing it for a paycheck. It was somebody who actually supported and loved adoption. Okay. Um, and so we started the process when he was two, which involves a lot of background checks, fingerprints, um, a home study where they come into your home and check to make sure that it is a safe place to bring right. a child home to. Uh, mental health checks. There's a lot. Physicals. There's and it a takes lot. A long time. It is or not it a. Can take yeah, a long it is time. not an overnight process. Right. Um, because they want to make sure that children that are adopted are going into homes where they will be loved and cared for. Um, so we started that entire process, and um, we were matched with a birth mom fairly quickly. So what you do is you most um, private agencies you'll create like a book about mm -hmm. yourself with some pictures, a little bit of information. And then they give those books to birth moms to look through and they're able to select what family that they think would they would like to raise right. their child um, so they have a say in that. Right. And so we were selected fairly quickly um, by a birth mom. She was very early in her pregnancy. So we walked the entire pregnancy out with her. Um, you know, we got those first ultrasound pictures mm -hmm. um, and all of that. And did you meet her? We did meet her. Yeah. Okay. We sat down and had lunch with her um, because we wanted her to know our heart also. Right. Um, and just to kind of know a little bit about us. Right. Right. Um, wanted her to trust us. And feel confident in her decision. Right. Feel confident in her decision. So you walk through like seven months of pregnancy with this woman and right. you did all the things, right? Like you guys had a baby shower. You right. set up the nursery. You decorated the nursery. You had a car seat ready. Right. 
you have been praying for this woman this whole pregnancy and for this child that's going to be your child um you've you planned for her you you loved her through the process right and then what and then all of a sudden um we got a knock at the door it was our um, adoption attorney coming to let us know that um some things had happened and that he wasn't really sure what was going to happen going forward as far as the adoption that we were pursuing. We knew that the birth mom should have had the baby by that point, but all of a sudden we weren't getting updates. We weren't hearing anything. Um, so we were concerned for her well-being, but also, of course, you know, longing for this baby that we were so ready to right. bring home and love and care for. Um, so we got the knock and it became apparent pretty quickly that things are going south. Mm -hmm. um, Did you have this moment that you remember that like just fear kind of crept in where you're like, this may not just be a hiccup? Right. When he showed up at the door, okay. I knew because we had been anticipating the call that the right. baby was born. Y'all um, are like on standby at this right. point. We like were no on family standby. vacation. Yes. You're basically waiting. Right. Yeah. Keeping phone on at all times, just in case we got the call in the middle of the night, um, ready to go. You know, diaper bag packed in the car, car seat in the car, ready to go. And when I saw his face at the door, I just knew mm. it was that like gut, you know, yeah. sense that something was was not good. And so you found out that, and you what ended up happening is you ended up finding out that the birth mom actually had had the right. baby a few weeks earlier, right? Weeks right? earlier. Which is shocking in itself. Right, because we thought she was still pregnant. Right. At that point. So, so tell me what happened. So you find out she has the baby already a right. few weeks before, which is a long time. Right. So, and that's, again, another indication that this is really not great news. right right um so how did you end up finding out like that this was something that was gonna really become kind of a nightmare for you guys it did it was the beginning of a nightmare so when you start the adoption process you know that a birth mom could change her mind that is just something you go in knowing that um, the birth mom has that right to do that um, until they've signed paperwork they can change their mind and decide to keep their baby instead and so that is something that you know. It's something that you pray doesn't happen to you, but right. you know that it can. Right. Um, but this situation was unique in that we knew that the birth mom wasn't, just because of circumstances, she wasn't going to be allowed to keep her child. Mm -hmm. um, so she had ultimately chosen to place her child for adoption as opposed to her child going into foster care when okay. they were born. What we ended up finding out is that she had had the child and the child had gone into foster care. Um, she didn't let them know at the hospital that she had an adoption plan in place, that she had an attorney or a family who was ready waiting. and waiting. Um, so instead, she left the baby and... Which is heart-wrenching. Like, I just want to say that just is, that information alone is just right. absolutely heart-wrenching to right. know you've been waiting for this child this whole time. Right. And she's born. Right. And now she's in... Essentially, she's in the system. Right. <laughs> Right. And, you know, when a birth mom changes her mind, you think that's got to be for the best. It's always best for a child to stay with their birth yes. parent. That is always ideal right. situation. And that's really what God has intended. That is what it's, God has intended. You are the mom. <laughs> right. You carried this child in your body right. for however many months you are pregnant. Right. And God's really intention is to ha for the child to have a whole family. Exactly. Biologically. Right. But the fact that this child didn't go with birth mom 
and ultimately ended up in the system and didn't have somebody to bond with. Um, that was, it was heartbreaking. And we, we really did want her. Um, but because of the way that the system works and how things are, we didn't have access to her mm -hmm. inside the foster care system. And so let's talk about that because essentially you're her mom. I mean, right. that's how I view it. And I know I'm your friend and like I'm for you and everything right. like that. But when you look at the process as a whole, you've walked through seven months of pregnancy with this right. woman. You've prayed over the child. You've prayed over the birth mother. You've seen the ultrasounds. You've decorated the nursery. Right. It's all pretty and pink. Right. You know, and your your heart is for this child that you've prayed for that's going to be your baby. Right. Um. How do you navigate that? Well, because it is, it's like, you feel like it's everything a mom would do. You like know? you should be looking, like, don't you feel like I should be doing everything I can to find my child and make right. sure my child's safe. I They're mean, that's safe. how it has to be how it feels. And that was the, are we both just worried? Is she okay? Is it, is she in a home that's taking care of her and, not, she's a, safe. and not abusing her, you know? Um, and that was our biggest worry. And that's what parents do. You know, they worry about their children. They want to know that they're okay and they're safe and they're cared for. And normally we're the ones who do that. You know, we can ensure they're safe because they're with us. Right. We can ensure they're right. fed because right. we're doing it. And so not knowing if the somebody was meeting those needs for her was very hard for us. I, I honestly, I can't imagine. I, I really can't, like every time, and I know we've discussed it on occasions, but every time I hear you speak about it, I just... I I can't imagine having to not look for her. Right. I mean, and I know that there's legalities right. to it too, exactly. right? Like to an extent, like yeah. it's like, and this isn't your child, even though it is your child, it's not right. your child. Right. So that's hard. By legal standards. By legal she wasn't standards. Ours. In our but heart. In your heart, right. she really is still your child. Right. Um so all of this happened and mm -hmm. it, it's called a failed adoption, right? Right. It, right. That's essentially that's the what it, actual term that's used, right? Right. At what point did you have to stop waiting for her? Because I think for a period of time, you guys are like, maybe we can work this out, right. like legally. Obviously, she's in the system, but there's a family that has been waiting for her that's prepared for her, right? But at what point did did you have to stop? Right. So for a couple of months, we did fight. We made phone calls. Um, we did everything that we could do to try to um, talk to birth mom and see what we could do to um, work with her mm -hmm. in order to bring this baby home to a safe home that they'd be loved. Um, and didn't you meet back up with her? We did meet back up with the birth mom and she went back and forth. It be it ultimately became a game of, right. with our emotions. And, right, and and there was, I'm sure, some other circumstances that impacted the there decisions were. being made, but. Right. Um, she wasn't in a healthy place right. to make sound decisions. And, you know, looking back, we can see that, but in the, in the in moment, the moment when your emotions heart is, are whatever involved, I have to do to make sure my child is safe and with me right. is what I'm gonna do. Right, so we did that for a little while and we would get hope and think, okay, you know, this is going to work out. We're going to be able to pick her up. She's going to be ours. And then something would happen um, to crush that. And it was like this cycle of over and over. And it did. It started to affect us personally. Mm -hmm. um, it affected our marriage. It affected our parenting, you know, because we were really grieving a child. And it is so strange to grieve somebody who's still alive. That didn't 
they didn't pass away. Right. Right. They're still here on earth. Right. They're still physically alive, but we grieved her not being with us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was grieving somebody who's alive, but that we don't have access to and we don't know if they're okay. And that's a very weird I, thing yeah, to I can walk only through. imagine. Um, just the not knowing and the going back and forth of, okay, maybe this is going to work out. No, and it's not going to work out. Maybe it is. And so we really, um, we just really started praying, Lord, what are we supposed to do? in this and the lord so clearly told me one day just stop stop fighting stop doing whatever it is that you think you can do in your own strength um, to fix this situation and i called my husband at work and the lord gave him that the same time that he actually had to leave work and go sit in his car (laughs) because it was so clear to him at the same exact time that we were both just, we were supposed to stop everything that we were doing, all of the fighting, all, you know, not with each other, but fighting within ourselves, feeling like we could fix this situation ourselves. Because you're trying to protect a child that you don't have access to. Exactly. And the Lord gave me the verse, um, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And it was like, okay, my only job right now is to just be still and Mm -hmm. trust the Lord. And we've both been Christ followers for a long time. So that seems like that should be Mm -hmm. simple, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's not, you know, it's not when it's something so important to you yeah, and so precious to you. Um, But we did. And the Lord gave us peace in that. And so, and I'm going to ask you an even hard, I think this is a hard question. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) So why do you think... And and now we know the ending, which right. we'll talk about. But why in that moment, why did you think that God allowed? What was your thought process behind? Gosh, did God allow this failed adoption? Or what's your plan? Like, what was your initial thought process? Like, he told you to stop. Right. But you're like, now what? Now what? Right. And now, that's now what? <laughs> right. Now what? Exactly. And that's where we were with that was, okay, so do we stop and it means we're just done, that this door has also closed. You know, the biological door has closed and now the adoption door has closed. And I wrestled with that. Right. Like, Lord, you've you've closed the door on us being able to have any more children biologically. Right. Now we're closing this adoption door. And my right. desire is to have more children. Right. Or are you just saying wait? Right. And we had to ultimately just trust because we still, the desires of our heart were still to adopt. Right. So we had to just trust that even though we really struggled with the why. Um, and God put that desire in your heart. Oh, of heart, course. You know? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we had to just ultimately trust through tears. There was a lot of, a lot of tears yes. <laughs> of that he had a different plan for us. So. Talk to me a little bit more about what, how, how the failed adoption impacted your marriage. Cause you did mention that, you know, it did have an impact on your marriage. Right. Um, and that your grieving process is different. And this, uh, this really does apply to, I mean, God created us man and woman. Right. We, we are very different creatures right. and yes. we process things differently. And this can be applied to, you know, having a miscarriage or, you know, going through the grieving of making the decision to abort a child and then later, you know, essentially regretting that decision. And either way, whether you aborted a child or not, it's still potentially a grief grief there. So talk to me about how you 
grieve differently and right. then also how it impacted your marriage well we naturally my husband and i handle we have very different personalities <laughs> yes, you do <laughs> very different personalities my husband's military and he's very military as yes, far as his reactions and personality yes, and yes. i am feelings all feelings sorry siri doesn't understand that um but so we did grieve we went through because you know there's all the processes of grief and we right. went through them at different times. Right. And that was hard because you feel like, well, they should be grieving how I'm grieving. And um, so that did. Are you course. even sad or like, right. do exactly. you feel like you've lost a child? Because I feel like I have lost a child. You right. Know? Exactly. And um, my husband is more just facts like, well, right. OK, so what can we do to fix this? And right. I'm more I've got to process all of the right. feelings. Right. Ultimately, um, and this is just in the Lord's goodness, is when it came down to it. We were aligned. With, we were on the same page we when were. it really came down to. Right. We handled some of the grief portions of it differently. He was more prone to anger, you know, and I was more prone to shutting down and, you sadness. know, sadness and all of those things. But the Lord allowed us to walk through that together um, because we needed to grieve that loss together. Now, Again, I'm just probing here because this this is really not talked about. We don't talk about the hardship of it. We right. see the, you know, the adoption. What do you call adoption day? The gotcha day. The gotcha day. Um, right. You know, we see those. Like we see those posts on social media and everything like that. Right. So I really want to dive into a little bit more before we wrap up is what it physically looked like, right? Because there is a reality that sets in where you've prepared for this child and and I can only imagine, you know, having a nursery set up for this specific daughter. Right. And it may have been set up differently for a different daughter. It's not even a, you know, a girl or a boy thing. Specifically, you prayed for this daughter. Right. And you set up her room for, for this child. Right. You had a car seat. You know, you have all these physical aspects of preparing for a child that you're going to have. What does it look like when all your friends and family are gone and right. it's just you and your husband and your child that you you have, your mm -hmm. biological child that you have. What does it look like when you're left with Right. Like I said earlier, the, holding the, the bag. Yeah. Yes. Holding the bag of all of this disappointment. And, you know, in typical Southern woman fashion, I had the name that we had chosen for her monogrammed on the wall, <laughs> you know, but, and we had the swings and the bouncy seats and all of those things out in our living room and, and a glitter was right. the wall gl the glitter, glitter yes glitter paint on the walls and all of that set up ready to for a baby to come home and so that was hard a hard realization once the lord had told us stop and once we really came to terms with that we weren't bringing her home mm. that i still had all this stuff i had to look at and right. i'm a stay-at-home mom so i couldn't escape from seeing all of those right, things right so we eventually just picked it all up Put it in the room and close the door and i remember so vividly laying on the floor in there mm -hmm. and just crying you know i just, mean what else are you gonna do right <laughs> i could there was no baby in that room you know and so there was nothing else i could do except lay on that floor and cry and grieve yeah so um i'm just i'm processing what you're saying because it it's such a reality of right. more families than than we probably, I mean, I know a lot of families that have adopted. I don't know but you that have had a failed adoption, right. but I know you're not the only one out there. Right. And right. it's such a harsh reality. Um, 
of losing that child. So what did the responsibility become to your daughter? And I'm calling her your daughter. Yes, she's not legally your daughter. Right. She was she was and is your daughter. Right. And so what did the responsibility come to her and how did you determine once she wasn't gonna legally be your daughter? Right. How you were responsible to responsible to her as a mother, right? And you feel like as a mother, you have there. There's some responsibility somewhere. I couldn't bring her home and meet her physical needs. Um, I couldn't care for her emotional needs or her spiritual needs. But I knew that the Lord had called me to be her prayer covering. And there was such peace when I realized my only responsibility to that baby was not to raise her, not to feed her, not to meet her needs but to be her prayer covering that she may have nobody else in the world who's praying for her. Um, so that was my job. And I know your prayer, prayers are powerful. So, <laughs> Thank um, you. so there's a woman out there, right? Or she's still a girl, but there is a child out there that will grow into a woman that will get married at some point, hopefully, and right. is happy and has children of her own um, that will always have your prayer covering. And I love that because yeah. I know that you're going to stick to that and that you're true to that. Right. And I think that's so beautiful because there are power in our prayers. Right. Absolutely. And we don't know. And we've talked about this. I am so excited. I mean, it's not really any of my business, but I'm still going to ask the Lord because I think it would be so cool. But I'm so excited to see kind of I'd love to see like a replay when you get to heaven and you get to see what your prayers were right. as you were praying and how it affects impacted her life right and i just think that would be such a cool vision and and thing to see um when we get to talk to the lord and yeah. um really ask him and i don't know maybe he'll show you that before before so yeah so i want to end with a little bit of encouragement because this is a, this is a hard topic and we are gonna um continue our conversation um about adoption and where you guys are at now but as we end for, for this episode, I would love for you to be able to give some words of encouragement. Sure. So what would be words of encouragement that you could speak into birth mothers that are either choosing to or already have placed their children up for adoption or placed their children with um, their adoptive parents? Sure. I just, you know, it's not lost on me that my greatest joy in adoption is the greatest heartache of a birth mother out there. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important just to recognize the the magnitude of the decision mm -hmm. um, that birth moms make and the selflessness of their choice mm -hmm. in um, choosing life for their child, first mm -hmm. and foremost, when abortion is an option. So mm -hmm. choosing life is already a hard decision right. um, for somebody who's not able or has chosen not to. Right parent the child that they're carrying. Um, and I've birthed a child and I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is to carry a baby and how hard it is to go through the birthing process, but then to place that baby with somebody else. Um, I just think that you're just, you're brave and you matter and um, you have great value that I am so grateful for my birth mother. Mm -hmm. So grateful for her decision because I know it was hard. And I think recognizing that your decision was hard, but you made the right one is important. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for my son's birth mother because, again, um, you endured the hard to do ultimately what's best 
for your child mm. um, and that you love them enough to care for their right. future. Yeah, you know, that you carry you, them and care for their future right. to make that decision. That you can think past just the here and now. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just think that um, birth moms are just amazing women. Mm -hmm. I love that. So stick with us because next time we're gonna continue <laughs> the story. So we'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Now What with Kristen Comstock. Be sure to turn on your notifications so you don't miss the next episode. See you next time.